Need a little ah in your step? Try this on for size. It's pop. It tastes great. It makes you feel kind of funny. Not here. Not down there. But all up in this area. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pop After Dark. I've not said this for a long time. And I'm Nick. In fact, I think the last episode came out in August and a lot's happened since then. So, this episode, originally, I recorded an intro of me going to the cinema to see the Joker and the kind of review after I left. And then, uh, after that, I went to see uh, Zombieland Double Tap, Zombieland 2. I was going to talk about that and uh, I was going to see Doctor Sleep. And some of the audio didn't record properly which is the first time I've had this happen which I suppose is, is quite lucky really considering how long I've been podcasting stuff I've had very few uh, issues like this but it's very annoying so some of this is going to be the audio I recorded and bits like this bit now are going to kind of be um, re-recorded of, of uh, other bits so Later on in the episode, I recorded a chat with Craig about the Joker because I wanted to sit down and talk to somebody about it because it's um, a pretty decisive film. And uh, I'll talk, uh, Zombieland 2, that audio will play a bit later on. So right now I'm going to talk to you about Doctor Sleep just briefly and also uh, Joker. So Doctor Sleep is a sequel to The Shining. Uh, it was a book that Stephen King wrote is a sequel to The Shining and this film is a kind of adaption of that book but ties into the original Shining film as well that Stephen King famously did not like because of the changes made to it. Um, it's uh, it, it, I really enjoyed it if I'm honest. I, I thought it was a very good film. I thought it was scarier than The Shining but I don't find The Shining particularly scary, as some people do. I don't know why, Just I just don't. I just think it's a very beautiful film, visually, uh, and uh, you know, some great performances in it, and some very iconic sequences, and Doctor Sleep does a very good job of uh, recreating some bits from the first film, and using some footage from the first film, only, only, I think the only scene actually they they use the original footage of is the blood elevator, but the rest of it they've kind of remade with new actors and stuff, and they do a very good job of recapturing it. Um, Ewan McGregor plays uh, a grown-up Danny Torrance from the first film, and he can be I find a bit hit and miss. <laughs> he says just watching uh, the Phantom Menace earlier today. Um, but in this, I think it's a it's a very strong performance. I, I, everyone in the film was really good, actually. There wasn't a bad acting performance in it. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson is is quite terrifying in her in her role as the kind of lead villain, and uh, I was just extremely extremely impressed with it. Um, I said I thought they did an excellent job of bridging the gap between. Uh, first film and this one uh, I believe it's Mike Flanagan who directed this which uh, who is the the guy who directed uh, The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix which was very popular last year so he's got I'm not seeing his other films but he's he's definitely got a, a style 
and I think it works exceptionally well for this film. Um, it's a film that I really can't wait to watch again, actually. I, I had such a good time with it, and what's a real shame, I didn't know this when I had originally recorded my thoughts on it, is uh, it, it's been a bomb. It had a budget of about 50 to, I think it was 55 to 65 million or something. And as a recording, it's made 54 million globally, and it's been out now for about three weeks. So it's not gonna, it's not gonna see a massive increase, especially now Halloween's gone, um, and uh, Frozen Two is about to come out, and uh, Star Wars and Jumanji Two, and Cats is actually kind of thing. So yeah, my my only disappointment with it is the fact that it's just not done very well because it deserved much much better, and I really hope it finds an audience when it gets released on on home release um and i hope it's remembered as fondly as the original shining was because it definitely deserved it um it's had really good reviews as well i've not seen too many negative reviews so i don't know why it didn't find its audience but it's uh, it's disappointing that it didn't because it deserved much much better than that so uh yeah dr sleep highly highly recommend it um it's it's long, it's about two and a half hours, but it doesn't drag. I wasn't sat there at any point going, oh god, when will this wrap up? So it kept me entertained despite its length, and yeah, go and watch Dot to Sleep if that's your kind of thing. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, so the Joker. Uh, the Joker. I uh, I went to see it just after opening weekend. Uh, I can't say that a Joker origin story was something I ever dreamed about seeing because he's had a few in, in the comic books already and they've all been very different and I think there's an air of mystery about it uh, but the trailers looked very interesting and uh, you know Black Wine Phoenix looked really good in the trailers so I thought I'll, you know, I'll give this a good go I'm not a fan of the DC cinematic universe, but I knew that this wasn't really a part of it, so again, it didn't really worry me too much. Um, and as I record this bit, it has made over a billion dollars at, at the global box office. It's the biggest R-rated film of all time, I think now. And uh, they just announced today there's going to be a sequel, which is interesting because they were kind of hinting that this was a complete one-off but I suppose when a film makes a billion dollars they're not gonna uh not wanna do a follow-up so uh so Joker so again I'll speak about it with Craig a bit later on this episode but um my thoughts when I left there were I didn't really understand all the hype um the reason I got Craig on was because I was getting messages from people who'd seen it opening night saying oh, it's a masterpiece um, and maybe that played into a little bit how I felt about it because I knew people had kind of hyped it up so much that it just left me a bit flat, if I'm honest. I thought he was, Black Grand Phoenix was excellent as he generally is when he gets a role. I thought he was uh, compelling, I thought he was interesting, I thought he did a really good job with his portrayal of a Joker. Um, but there were lots of things I didn't like about it. I didn't like the way the way they tackled mental health issues in the film. Um, 
I think they kind of used it as a weapon in some ways. And what I mean by that is they were using mental health as kind of reason for somebody to, to go off the rails in the way that he does and in the way he conducts himself. And I think that's quite dangerous. Um, I thought it was interesting in how they discussed the mental health services bearing in mind the film is set in I think 1981-ish um, were, were quite relevant to today in our society where uh, mental health is one of those services that is you know really underfunded and is always getting cuts um, so I thought the parallels between the film and kind of like a social commentary they were, that was quite an interesting point um, I hated every reference to the Wayne family, especially Bruce Wayne. It just felt completely shoehorned in and I hated it. It was completely unnecessary. It didn't need to be in there at all. But I suppose my biggest gripe with this film is that it didn't have to be about the Joker. It felt very similar to things like... Uh, Taxi Driver or Falling Down in uh, or American Psycho is another one that I thought of when I watched it where you see somebody kind of going slowly mad and outlandish and, and doing these crazy things but I felt I'd, I'd kind of seen it before and if the film had not been called Joker or if the film didn't revolve around a comic book character that we already knew um, I don't think the film would have been any worse off. In fact, it might have even improved the film a little bit because it wouldn't have had that stigma and it wouldn't certainly wouldn't have needed to shoehorn any references to Bruce Wayne in it. So I just felt, you know, for me, for me personally, I felt it was a bit of a blown joker because I just, just didn't see why it had to be called Joker or be about that character. It could have just been about anybody and it probably... I would have still had the same issues around mental health plot device, but um, yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't have then called it a masterpiece if it wasn't called Joker, but um, I, I think it being a Joker film was a, a blessing and a curse. Blessing because it meant people wanted to go out and see it and it done phenomenally well, but uh, a curse because then it felt it had to put these references in there which really didn't do anything to add to the film so that was my that was my take after seeing the Joker so there you go so um, what I'll do now is I will play you um, the audio from when I went to see Zombieland and what I thought about that film and then I'm going to play the bit the conversation myself and Craig had earlier today about the Joker uh, and you know we had a kind of back and forth on how I felt about it and, and how Craig felt about it because it was quite different and I thought that was a good discussion to have on here and uh, and that will be your episode um, we've got some big films coming out uh, what we've we got we've got uh, Frozen 2 comes out this weekend which is going to obviously be huge. I say that it comes out this weekend as I record this episode on the 20th of November. 
Um, I'll be seeing that film the second weekend it comes out. I'm tempted to go and see it opening weekend, but we are going to go and see it with some friends and my daughter, and they can only make the weekend after, so we're probably going to wait till then, but I might have a peek at it um, But that's obviously going to be a huge film. Um, smaller film we've got coming out I think the week after is Knives Out, which I've been really looking forward to. It's a uh, Rian Johnson uh, whodunit murder mystery, and it looks really fun. It's got a, a cracking cast in it as well, and uh, I've been looking forward to that one for a while. So I'll probably go and see that and review that on here. Um, and then uh, December, we've got things like uh, Jumanji 2, and uh, obviously the rise of Skywalker and I have just been or we're in the process of going back and watching the previous Star Wars films because Mawa hasn't uh hasn't really watched them all properly. She has seen bits and pieces of all of them and she's probably sat through them all but she's not really paid attention so we decided on on the way to the Rise of Skywalker, we would sit down and watch those. So we just finished today, The Phantom Menace, having watched the original trilogy. Um, it's been a while since I've watched those um, specialised versions of the of the original trilogy, and some of the effects are just the worst. And they changed Han and Greedo shooting each other for about the fifth time. So they both shoot each other now almost the same time. I've seen some video of the comparisons. It is different, but the original is obviously still the best. Um, I, I completely forgot about the dance sequence in Return of the Jedi. I mean, that is fucking awful. It felt like I was watching that Will Smith Men in Black video. It stands out like an absolute sore thumb. So, um, yeah, that wasn't good. The films themselves are still good. And, uh, you know what, I actually, I'm going to be controversial and say I think Return of the Jedi is my favourite of that original trilogy. It had the most fun. It had some great action sequences. Um, I love speeder bikes. Um, yeah, the Ewoks are a little bit annoying, but I forgive them for that. Uh, Empire, I mean, all three are really good, right? Empire is still a very gripping film. Uh, but, yeah, just the, the one that I just, after watching it, I just kind of enjoyed the most was, was Return of the Jedi, I think. Uh, Phantom Menace, it's the first time I'd seen it in about a decade. And, uh, God, that film, some of it drags so much. Oh. And, yeah, it's got, you know, one of the best lightsaber fights towards the end. And uh, the pod racing scene is actually much better than I remembered. Uh, I thought that was really exciting. But some of the acting in it is just completely awful. The dialogue is clunky. The story's not very good. Um, I don't like the way they shoehorn in C3PR and R2-D2. Oh, what's the name of that droid? Oh, it looks like it's uh, R2-D2. Oh, we'll give him accommodation. So, anyway... Yeah, so Attack of the Clones is next for me on that one. So, uh, 
we're both really looking forward to that. At least we can cleanse ourselves with uh, the uh, Revenge of the Sith, which, again, I've not seen for a while, but uh, although some bits, again, are a bit clunky, there's some really good bits in that film from what I remember, so I'm looking forward to it anyway. And then we'll start on the uh, on the last two, leading up to the rise of Skywalker. So, uh, yeah. So there should be some more pops coming out before Christmas, essentially what I've been getting at saying there, because uh, there's some good films coming out. Uh, and apologies for how, how I sound. I've just had an operation uh, a few days ago and I'm still recovering. Can't breathe properly. So uh, I'm very nasally, so apologies for that. But uh, yeah, so anyway, thank you for the download. Thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, I'll play the rest of the episode and then we'll see you for another Pop Off Dark in the very near future. So thank you. Hello and welcome to another edition of Pop After Dark. I say another edition, this is probably going to be the second half of the, the Joker episode, so already this is, this is wrong. Um, so I'm not going to talk about Joker because uh, I've already talked about it by this point. I mean, this is weird, I'm kind of recording this in a the time it doesn't exist yet, so I've seen the Joker and I'm going to talk about the Joker and what I thought about it, but at this point in time I've not actually done it yet, so there's that. Um, but I'm on my way to the cinema to go and watch Zombieland Double Tap. Now is it Zombieland 2 Double Tap or is it Zombieland Double Tap? Either way, it's a sequel to Zombieland. Um, Ten years after the first film, and they've finally got round to making a sequel. So I, on the lead up to this film, I rewatched the first Zombieland, probably for the first time since I first saw it in, must have been 2010, because I didn't see it at the cinema, I saw it um, on DVD, or Blu-ray. Not sure which. I'd have always gone for Blu-ray, but it's probably DVD. But anyway, um, so I hadn't seen it in a long time. I remember liking it, and then, obviously, this sequel was coming out, and then they announced a, um, a scare zone at Halloween Horror Nights. So I thought I'm going to have to re-watch the film again, so I can kind of be prepared for that. So that's what I did, and uh, I forgot how good the film was. Like, really, like, just, just funny and entertaining, and almost, more importantly, short. Because it clocks in at about, I think, 87 minutes or something. It's under an hour and a half, which is a rarity for a lot of uh, Hollywood films. But there you go. So, re-watched it and, yeah, really liked it. Really good performances. And everyone's been brought back for this sequel. So, that's, that's normally good. But Zombieland 2 comes on the back of... A few films, a few comedies that have had bleated sequels. So um, we had Dumb and Dumber 2, T.O., not the number two. And uh, we had Anchorman 2, and we had Zoolander 2. Now, of those films, I've only actually seen 
Anchorman 2 all the way through. I saw about the first 20 minutes of, of Dumb and Dumber 2. And actually, it, it wasn't too bad. Pun not intended. Um, but I didn't finish watching it. And I should at some point revisit it because I've heard mixed things. But Anchorman 2, I thought, was a bit of a letdown. I've not re-watched that since the first watch. And at Zoolander 2, now I love Zoolander. Like, Zoolander is a film I've seen lots and lots of times. Rewatched it lots of times. And uh, I'd always hoped for a sequel. And yet, when they brought the sequel out, I couldn't actually bring myself to watch it. Um, I saw the trailers for it and thought, no, no, this just isn't working for me. And uh, I don't know anyone that's seen it that actually enjoyed it. So I've, I've never watched it. I'm sure at some point when I'm at Loeb, there's nothing else on the telly and that's playing. There's literally nothing else I can do. I'll probably give it a go, but... I haven't got high hopes. And yeah, Anchorman 2 was just a disappointment. Like Again, I loved the first Anchorman and really was itching for a sequel, but I feel they left it a bit too long um, in, in doing so. And they, it felt like they tried too hard and, for me, repeated too many of the big things, like the, the fight scene from the first film was really iconic, so they thought, let's make it bigger and better. It's like, or come up with something else, maybe? I don't know. So, comedy sequels generally aren't particularly good, but I've got a good feeling about this one. Um, it's just come out. I've not really, I've not read any reviews. Um, I've seen a few tweets, which seems to be quite positive. And I know that uh, Phil from uh, the Orlando Addict podcast went to see it the other day and said it was, uh, said it held up. And that's all I want, really. I just want it to, to hold up to the first film. And as long as it's, you know, close to being as good as, I'll be happy. So, um, I really enjoyed going through this again as I, Halloween Horror Nights. It was uh, a nice reminder of that film. And um, more importantly, they played uh, Doves. Because uh, Kingdom of Rust is, is played during the first film and they were obviously playing music from the first film in that scare zone so it was really surreal to be in Universal Studios and hearing uh, doves a few times during my trip walking through that scare zone so that was really cool and uh, there was a really good uh, zombie Bill Murray in that scare zone as well he was uh, a lot of fun so yeah that's, that's, that's zombie land two double tap um it'll be interesting to see how i feel about it after i've left the cinema but yeah cautiously optimistic for this one and uh yeah just just hope it doesn't let me down too much and uh futures um i'm probably gonna have to see maleficent 2 at some point because uh that's just come out and obviously is after dark should really keep up to date with the disney films so i really hated the first maleficent this one doesn't look as bad but um as i record this we're waiting for the uh the box office numbers for its its opening weekend 
and uh, so far it's it's tracking quite a lot below the original Maleficent. Yeah. I mean, they, they released the first Maleficent in the time for Halloween, and they actually bumped this release up by about six months. They kind of rejigged their uh, schedule earlier this year of their upcoming films, and this one actually got uh, pushed back to 2019 rather than 2020. I'm not sure if that was because they were confident in it or because they felt it was going to flop and just dumped it, <laughs> trying to work out what the game plan is with it. But, uh, yeah, so uh, Maleficent 2 will probably be reviewed on here uh, sooner rather than later, unfortunately. And um, if I get a chance to see it, I'm really desperate to, but um, in limited releases, a film called The Peanut Butter Falcon which stars uh, Shia LaBeouf and uh, is about... I've seen, I've seen a trailer for it. I'm not, it seems to be a bit of a road trip kind of movie um, about a young man with uh, Down syndrome. And uh, what I get from the trailer, he's looking to enrol in a wrestling school. And Shia LaBeouf basically... Um, it was like a, a bit of a journeyman and is uh, trying to get him to the uh, destination. So it looks quite fun. It looks like it's going to be quite a, uh, a heartwarming film, um, but it's only limited release. So at my local cinema, they're showing it. I was hoping to go this weekend to see it at the same time as seeing Zombieland, but they're only showing it at 9 o'clock at night, which is... A bit late for me because I'm walking and uh, it gets dark now and cold. I just didn't really want to walk home at half eleven. Um, so it's it's on a couple of times during the week. So I'm going to see if I can squeeze a trip to see to see it. Then hope so. I hope to see it because I've. I saw the trailer for it a few months ago and it came out in August in America and uh, it's just come out now here um, not not many places and then we've got the Adams Family coming out next weekend and uh, it, it, the winter season's kicking in again so it's not long before things like Frozen 2 and Star Wars are, are coming out and Jumanji 2 so I feel it's not going to it's not going to be on for long, so I really hope I get a chance to see it before it goes. But uh, uh, it's not up to me; it's up to the schedulers at the cinema. So we'll see if I can if I can make it. And uh, yeah, that'll do for now for an introduction. Eh? So um, I'll see you on the other side of watching Zombieland Two Double Tap. I always wind this bit up while my phone's in my pocket. I can't stop the recording with it there. So, Right, so I'm now on my way home, having come out of Zombieland Double Tap, which is what the title card says, so I'm going to assume that that means that um, it's not uh, Zombieland 2 Double Tap, it's just Zombieland Double Tap. Um, but yeah, so I really enjoyed it. It's... It's not as good as the first Zombieland, but I think it's a, a pretty hard film to top, really. Um, but 
as sequels go, it gives you everything you want. Um, it's funny, it's uh, dramatic at times, tense, and uh, just a whole lot of fun, which is what you want from a film like that. And I don't, they, they didn't balls it up. It's slightly longer than the first Zombieland. I think, um, what time is it now? Uh, I think it's about an hour 40, maybe. So, you know, just, just a bit longer than the first one. Um, but it doesn't outstay its welcome. The, you know, I, if you've seen trailers for the film, you'll know that there's some new additions to the cast. So, uh, Rosario Dawson it, yeah, appears in the film, as does uh, Zoe Dutch, or Dutch, I don't know how to pronounce it, um, who is uh, Leah Thompson's daughter, which makes sense when you know that fact, because she does look an awful lot like a mum. Doesn't sound like a mum, I don't think, but you can definitely see um, the resemblance there uh, with, with them. And uh, she's great. She's great in the film, like a real good uh, comic relief. But everyone has funny moments. You know, it's not exclusively um, just her, um, but she, I would say, is the main source of comic relief in the film. And uh, as, as well, you'd have seen in the trailer, there's uh, a bit with uh, what appears to be almost like, not doppelgangers, but um, alternate versions of uh, Tallah Tallahassee and Columbus, played by Luke Wilson and Thomas Middlewich. They apparently were in talks with uh, Michael Cara to uh, Michael Ciara, um, but you know Scott Pilgrim, Arrested Development, and to play the kind of uh, alternate uh, Columbus because of his lining to Jesse Eisenberg. But you know Thomas Middleditch is a good choice, and uh, he's one of those actors that you've probably seen appear in other things. He's not. Um, he's not like a, a lead actor, but he appears in like lots of little bit parts and he's, he's very good in his role there. Um, I like how the story progresses. Um, I like the, the turns in it. I, I just have a lot of fun. Like it, it's just a good, you know, hour and a half-ish bit of escapism and, and done really well. Um, the only other thing I really want to say about it, in terms of the actual film itself, is there's not one but two bits in the credits. So there's a bit um, just near the beginning of the credits, and then there is a post-credit scene. If you've seen the trailers, it's been spoiled already. If you haven't seen the trailers, then it won't have been. It's weird that they, I think, spoiled it in the trailer as it's the end credit bit, but I've seen, I've seen a few films do that now where you're kind of waiting for the scene that you've seen in the trailer to appear in the film, and it doesn't, and then it shows up uh, right in the end, so in the post credits. So the, the first scene is, well look, first of all, neither of the, the post credit scenes make much of a difference. So if you had to rush out, you're not gonna miss any kind of 
story development or anything like that. It's just a bit of fun. Um, but the first, like the, the mid-trailer bit, uh, mid-credit scene, is, is a lot of fun. Uh, got a good few laughs out of the audience. And the one right at the end of the credits, in my opinion, is just not worth staying for at all. It's a bit of a waste. Don't know why they put it in, really. I don't know if it's because it was an outtake. I don't know. But, yeah, it's not, it's not worth staying right to the end of the credits. The credits aren't particularly long, to be honest. It's not like a Marvel film where you're sitting there for, like, what feels like ten minutes to get to the last scene. But, at the same time, it's just not um, not necessary, really, to, um, to stay and watch it. So, that's my tip. But, what I felt leaving the cinema just now is, I hope it doesn't take them another decade to make another one. I'd really like to see a third zombie land. And it's not left on a, a bit like the first film, it's not left, left on a, a cliffhanger. So, you know, there's not a guarantee of a third film and you don't really feel that there's necessarily a need for a third film. But if, you know, if they can recapture that magic, recapture that fun, then I'd like to see a, another addition in the, the franchise. Um, and also I'd like to see if some of the new characters introduced in this film make an appearance in a third one if they do so. But that'd be good as well. But uh, yeah, just, just have a lot of fun. Um, if you're expecting it to be as good as the first, just lower your expectations down just a, a tad. But overall, really, really enjoyed it. So it gets a thumbs up from this guy. And uh, that's all I've got to say on Zombieland Double Tap. So, um, yeah, I'm going to, I think I'm going to try and do these periodically. Um, it's not going to be something as regular as some of the other shows that we have over at the network. I was never really sure what I was going to be doing with this when I first kind of brought it back from the dead, um, like a zombie. But, um, yeah, I think I might still try and do these periodically. So uh, if you can subscribe, that would be great because when a new episode drops, you'll get it. And it's not going to be uh, padding out your podcasts because it won't be that regular. You know, there'll be times, to, you know, it, it all depends on when films come out, right? So uh, I forgot that in the UK, we're actually getting Terminator, uh, Dark Fate on the 23rd of October, which is uh, a blow for me because that's actually my 10th wedding anniversary. So there is absolutely no way in hell I'll be seeing that film um, then on opening night. So I, I don't know when I'm going to get to see Terminator because I'm away next weekend. But I don't think it comes out in the US till the 2nd of November. So. Um, I should be able to see that before it gets uh, a US release. I'm looking forward to that. I just forgot it was coming out so soon. The, the trailers have been quite late for it, I think. Like, I've only seen trailers with, um, well, today. I saw a trailer for it and also with the Joker last weekend. But, you know, the films I saw in uh, July, August that 
would have been appropriate to have shown that trailer with, but I didn't didn't get it. So yeah, it looks good though. Like I, I'm I'm expecting I'm expecting good things from it. It does look like um, first Terminator film in a while to to look decent. Um, I've never watched what was it Genesis? I think was the the last instalment, which is supposed to be the big reboot with uh, Media Clark and J.K. Simmons was in it as well. Uh, I've seen bits of it on telly, but I've never actually watched the whole thing. And to be honest, what I saw of it didn't look very, very impressive. But this one actually looks like it could be good. It's um, directed by Tim Miller, who uh, most famously brought the first Deadpool and the best Deadpool to, uh, to our screens. So I've got faith in him and, and James Cameron's heavily involved in it. So. Yeah, it, it looks good, and I, I hope it, it will be. It will be good. Uh, so that's coming out soon. So yeah, what, what I was kind of getting at was just the fact that when I do reviews, it will be as and when films come out. So if there's a lean week where there's not much coming out, then you won't expect an episode. But if, uh, if it's uh, as the films come out, or just after films come out, then... Uh, no doubt I'll see it and no doubt I'll do a little review of it. So just please subscribe and when new episodes come out, you'll get to hear them. And uh, that's it for this whole episode. So thank you very much and uh, hope you enjoyed. And uh, I'll see you for another Pop After Dark when I next go to the cinema. Hello! Ah, uh, there's the man. There's How the are man. you, mate? I'm, I'm not too bad, thank you. I'm not too bad. So, uh, this is an episode of, of Pop After Dark, but this is part of an episode where I've just talked about the film The Joker, and this is Craig, and Craig, you have seen the film The Joker. I have indeed seen the film The Joker. And how many times have you seen the film The Joker? Oh, only once. I didn't have a fucking chance to watch it again. Okay, fair enough. Please, I swear. Shit gets in the way, don't it? Oh, unbelievable. It does. It does. Um, so, I... Don't, aren't I allowed to swear on Pop After Dark? It doesn't matter. You've done it twice. Um, yeah, you can do whatever you want. And Sorry, man. You're making, you're making lunch in the background, which is great. So, um, so I, I, I saw Joker just after it came out. Um, I think... Did you see it opening weekend? Um... It might well have been, you know, uh, my brother-in-law wanted to go and watch it, our Phil. Yeah. And um, who am I to say no? Well, that's true. I do I do love the DC Universe. I don't know where this is in the DC Universe. I don't think it's in the DC Universe. Uh, well, I mean... What is the DC Universe? Well, no one knows at this point. But, I mean, officially, it's not part of the, the DC Universe that had Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman and... Uh, Justice League and Wonder Woman 2 Electric Boogaloo coming out later next year. Um, it's its own separate thing, right? But, um, you know, it, it, it's interesting because, um, I mean, I, I can't say... Would you, would, you, would you say you really always wanted a film about who the Joker was? No, this film didn't need to be made at all. Okay. Because we know who the Joker is. Well, we do and we you know, don't, do we? Because we don't know who the Joker is, but we know who the Joker is, right? But 
this, exactly. The, the, the problem is with the Joker is that he's obviously multiple people because no portrayal of him anywhere is similar to another. You know, if you if you look at the the Adam West Batman, the Joker is different to uh, Jack Nicholson's Batman, who's different to Mark Hamill's Batman, who is different yeah. to uh, Jared Leto or um, God, who's the who's the best one? Heath Ledger. Um, you know, they've they've all been they've all looked different, they've all behaved differently, they've all done different things. The only common like link between them is they they normally always have green hair um, and they're always yeah. a bit nasty. So, I mean, the 1990 or 89 Batman, we get his backstory, the Joker's backstory, the birth of the Joker. Yep. In 20 minutes, maybe. Yep. Um, and it was basically, he was sent mad by, um, uh, he fell into a vat of stuff, didn't he? Yep. And toxic and whatever. And he rebuilt his face and, and all that. Uh, the Heath Ledger one. I think he was already the Joker. He gave, he gave, yeah. He gave whoever he was killing a different backstory, didn't he? Yeah, every time. My, you know, my dad cut me face and blah, 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 blah. So you didn't know who he was, really. This one takes it right. Oh, you know, I haven't watched Gotham. I believe that's totally something else. Yeah. You know, in a different world, whatever. It's not, is it part of the Arrow and the Flash or is it just totally separate? I think it's separate again. So, so here we are with this Joker and this Joker makes a billion dollars uh, and it's up in the air if he's even, you know, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. We've had the other Joker in um, Suicide Squad. Yep. Who was trying to make it his own. And he didn't offend me. Films don't offend me. You know, he was just a different portrayal of the Joker. Um, but again, another version of the Joker. We've obviously got the cartoon versions of the Joker. Mm-hmm. But this Joker's come along from the very start. You see this man getting destroyed by mental illness, uh, by a breakdown. Uh, it, it What was that film um, with... Um, that fellow with glasses standing on the road. Fall, falling a, down. Falling down. That's what it very much reminded me of. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of parallels. You know, I, I went in hearing a lot of hype about it. Um, unlike what Craig will tell you, I hadn't at that point seen any negativity because there hadn't been any negativity at that point um, about the Joker. It had been very positive. You know, people were talking about Oscars and talking about award bars and, you know, the great superhero film ever made and all this kind of stuff. And first and foremost, it's not a superhero film, right? No. Nope. It's a comic book film. Um, and even that, I think, is quite loose because it, it's so... So what a comic book film is structured to be. And, and so I, I think you, you kind of hit it more on the nail on the head when you said, like, you know, Falling Down or Taxi Driver or uh, American Psycho, it reminded me of as well, where you, you're seeing somebody go down this dark, dark path naturally. Like, it's not because they're falling into toxic waste. It's because mental illness has taken over. Yeah, at any point, any of the people who he interacts with could have saved them. Uh, yes. But no, nobody could be bothered. You know, yeah. because so he is allowed to spiral and get deeper and deeper and deeper. And then yeah. he, he goes mad. Yeah. And, and I mean, the thing is, I, I didn't like the film. I didn't hate it. 
it did like to use your phrase it didn't offend me um but i walked out of it and i didn't i did, I, did, I kind of felt nothing i didn't feel depressed i, I felt a little bit depressed that's a lie I, you know because watching someone go down that spiral and there are parallels to you know today's world and how mental health um mental illness is treated and how it's looked at by society um and and just how corrupt society's become you can draw parallels to it so i get that um but i didn't walk out there thinking i'd seen a masterpiece what i did feel is that uh once again uh whack one phoenix was uh, you know exceptional as he is in nearly every role he undertakes what what why i thought this film is exceptional is this? Oh, I might get a delivery here. Um, this is an actual piece of uh, art. The way the scenes are captured, it's proper movie making. You know the scenes where he's coming down the stairs. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, this isn't green screen. This is a, a movie director that I presume has gone out and sourced where he wanted to film all the locations and everything like that. And he's 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 framed it perfect. I just thought it was absolutely beautiful. It is and I, who's who's the who's the director now who's turned on the Marvel movies? Uh Scorsese. Scorsese, that's the one. Um and he's got a point. They are very form formulaic. And when you walk out of a Marvel movie, it is the best film you've ever seen. Oh my god, it's got me in the fields. But rewatchability, when you start to watch them again and again, and maybe the third time, you're starting to get a little bit, meh. you know, even um, Endgame. Do you, do you know what I mean? When you've watched that? I, no, I disagree because I, I actually think they're a different kind of art. And that's the thing about art, right? Is that what one person sees as art, somebody else sees something completely different. And to me, those films are very art because of the the work that goes into them recreating those worlds recreating those characters yeah. recreating those planets it's a different it's, art exactly so it's that's not to say that the joker is or isn't more arty than a marvel film because they're too they're, it's the same medium but it's a different approach and i think my problem with it um going back to what you were saying about how it was filmed is actually that's probably its downside is that for me, it felt like it was trying to be a Scorsese film. It was trying to be like a, a, a early Brian De Palma film. It it was structured to look that way. And Scorsese, um, I don't know if you know this or not, Scorsese originally was involved in this film. Yeah, he was, he was all over it. Uh, but he didn't, in the end, he couldn't, uh, when they started filming, he, he dropped out for whatever reason. When he, um, you what? It's a superhero film? Fuck you! <laughs> Fuck you! I ain't doing no shit! Yeah, you can have Al Pacino. <laughs> but um Robert De Niro. But um Oh yeah. yeah it's, um, it's yeah, so I to me I felt like it was trying to, it, it felt like someone who was trying to show how great they could be. Oh, I'm such an artist. This is my masterpiece. And it felt like they were actually trying too hard to mimic the work of actual real artists. You've got to remember that the and I'll give him some credit because the director of this film is the director of the Hangover trilogy. Is that is the director of like Meet the Parents? You know, he doesn't come from this background. Actually, no, I don't think he did Meet the Parents, but he did like Road Trip or something or Old School. But 
Um, you know, this is this is a director who's come from like a comedy background. He doesn't do serious pieces of work. He doesn't take on dramatic things. But to me, it just felt like he was trying so hard to be taken seriously that it felt forced. It didn't feel like it was his own natural work. It felt like an imitation of art. I I I disagree. I think I don't know who the director is. I haven't got that. You know it a lot more than me, but. Yeah. What you have told me there has amazed me and has given me hope for one of the, the, the most, my favouritest producers, directors, writers is Kevin Smith. And Kevin Smith is ultimately a prick because he has got, I think, the Joker is a masterpiece. I think he has got something like that in his wheelhouse if he just stopped being a little fat, I had a heart attack, I smoke pot, prick. And he punches, he aims low all the time, right? Yep. What you've done there is you've restored my faith in humanity. And this fella who's done, you know, Hangover, they're all formulaic. Oh, shit, this, this, this happened. All films are formulaic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hangover 1 is Hangover 2 is Hangover 3. And probably meet the whatever the other films are he's done. They're all probably identical films. But he's gone out here and he's tried something different and he's excelled at it. And he has smashed all expectations. And if DC can't incorporate this into yet another rebooted DC universe, this Joker is the closest Joker that I've seen to the comic books. So, I mean, what I would say, what what gives me faith in this is the fact that they took a film which I think had a budget of about 40 or 50 million dollars. So it had the budget of like almost a Kevin a Smith film. Yeah, like <laughs> a, a third of a Marvel film, right? At least. And it's, it's excelled. And what that shows to me is that you can make a comic book film on a low budget, which what, still is able to what was bring Deadpool's a comic to life. The first one, I think, was about 70 or 80 million. Oh, so that's still quite substantial. But, yeah. But, I mean, right, the other thing that pisses me off about DC and Marvel is the baddie has to die. And that's the same in all comic book films. I'm just watching for the fi- I haven't watched uh, Far From Home yet. I'm halfway through it. I'm watching it in chunks when I get a minute. Um, and obviously, Mysterio's going to die at the end. Something bad's going to happen to him. He's going to die. I don't know spoilers because I haven't seen it, but they've just figured it out. He's going to die. The Joker at the end of the first film dies in 89. The new Joker, Heath Ledger, dies at the end of the film. And in real life, God rest his soul. But you know what I mean, right? There's a real opportunity here to have um, pull from all the the back back catalogue of all the comic books and do a proper Batman joker movie where it's lifted from the comic books and they've incorporated multiple stories whatever you could build the dc universe around that and then they could put into into film the killing joker you know well the problem is right this joker film is set in like the early 80s so immediately that means that any joker film they make like any follow-up with that joker has to be set in the 80s which in itself isn't a problem, except for, and I, this is one of the things I really hated, was this insistence that we have, you know, because it's a Joker film, Bruce Wayne has to be in it. 
That I didn't think to happen at all. I think no. that was just lip service to try and give it oh. a little bit of um, oh, to to incorporate it into because unless that happens, you're, he's only the Joker in the last ten minutes of the film. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought I, I just hated it. I didn't think it was necessary. I agree um, with I that. I felt it, it cheapened the film. And the, the problem, the, the plot hole they've got there is that once again, for about the 20,000th time, yeah. we've seen Bruce Wayne's parents get murdered. Yawn. And then, you know, and we know that Bruce, at the time when that film is set, is a 10 year old boy. Yeah. And he's not going to be Batman for at least another 10 years. Exactly. So they can't do, even do a direct sequel to this film or in this world because it would then have to be the 90s. Yeah, yeah they could because um, then it would just be set in the 90s. He's in a mental asylum now. That's what you, you get at the end. Um, so his madness could be a lot. You know, basically, you've got Jack Nicholson in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest now, haven't you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Bringing it all together. Ten years down the line, he breaks out. He's an older... Um, I, I tend to think of the Joker as a more middle-aged man. He was, he, he's, I don't know who he, how old he is in real life. Oh, he's about 15. Oh, right, okay. So so he'd be a, like a 60-year-old Joker. But he's got all them supporters out there. You think of the Joker of having a lair, don't you? And having ultimate uh, financial power to pull off all these amazing stunts and all this, what he does. So... Maybe you know he's crowdfunded while he's in the mental asylum. But, yeah, it's up a GoFundMe page. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but then you've got to do the Batman origin story, and in the in the in the Batman film, he's having flashbacks, and it's that Joker again killing his mum and dad, and we see it yet again. I would like to, you know what if if DC would learn anything from this film, which they won't do. That is that actually when they do this Batman film with Robert Pattinson, do it on a low budget, make it gritty, yeah. make it a bit dark, um, and it will probably be more successful than you throwing another $200 million at the screen. Yeah. Leave that to Marvel. Marvel have got that nailed. Every time DC try and copy what Marvel do, they fail at it. So you know what? Don't compete with them. Go down a different avenue because this film has shown that you can do a low budget film without all these stupid special effects and people will be gripped by it. So even though I don't love this film, I can see that. Just before we go, the only thing I wanted to touch on, which we haven't really done, is how mental health is portrayed in the film. I thought that whilst it was a representation of society and that you know funding was being cut so he wasn't going to be given the support and he had to buy medication and Private basically being told to all this medication, everything like that. Yeah. Um, I don't think, you know, to me, it was another, yet another example of where somebody has a mental health issue and that means that they're going to be a deranged killer. There seems to be no black or white with this in films. If you've got mental health issues, you are going to be a deranged killer or you're going to do something awful <laughs> when we know that's not the case. What, what do you think about that? It's very hard. Well, there's no point, well... <laughs> You can make a, a mental health movie where the person has a breakdown and they, they try and kill themselves and they come back and, and everything goes back to normal. They're, they're treated with medication and counselling and all that type of stuff. But that's not a very good film. It's a real film, but it's not a very good film. This is 
This is using mental health to tell the story of the fall of the birth of the Joker. So, again, mental health is one of them. It's an invisible. So, how do you portray it on a screen? You could, you could. There's people walking up and down my street now. I'm looking out the window. I couldn't tell you which one of them's got mental health problems. Unless he's got a machete and he's wearing a Joker mask and he's running down throwing hand grenades at everyone. But you see me point. Yeah. So if there's somebody going past in a wheelchair with a leg missing, there's a disability. But mental health, you can, so how do you put it in a film? It, it seems, you know, a, a man falling into a vat of, of toxic goo and coming out mad as the Joker... Um, doesn't really cut it these days anymore, I don't think. No. This is realistic. Realistically, a men, you know, shit goes down on a daily basis where mental health people who have breakdowns, who are having um, psychosis, who are having split personality disorders, are carrying knives, are killing people. This shit, you know, I've had personal experience with somebody close to me. I won't give any details, but was carrying a knife and was whispering whenever he seen me what he was going to do to me. And he um, is, um, what's, what is it, split personality? Yeah. Bipolar, is it? No, not bipolar. Yeah. yeah, bipolar, yeah. So he'd stopped taking his medication because he was having, you know, and the, all this stuff was starting to manifest itself and he ended up walking out in front of a, a van on a busy road in Liverpool and lived, broke his spine. He's got a metal rod up his spine now. Jesus. Yeah. And that is the real, you know, that is mental health, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a hot, it's bullshit. It's a hot button fucking topic at the moment. And the, the politicians, whether you're red or blue or whoever, are all dining out on it. You know, it's, it's like children in need. It's like all these things, all these celebrities holding a little African child, you know, all the big corporations uh, going on about mental health for their employees and, oh, go and phone this number and we, we'll pay for your counselling. Bullshit. People, mental health people are getting sacked all the time by these big corporations because they couldn't give a flying fuck, really. But it's dead good to do an advert in between Coronation Street halfway through and, and oh, look, ITV cares about mental health. No, you don't. Yeah. Ticking a box. Ticking a box exercise. Exactly. Thank you. Right. Right. Well, thank you very much. No, thank you, Nicholas. Thank you. Uh, So so you're back here for Star Wars? Oh, mate. Uh, That would be... I mean, hopefully uh, Frozen 2 at some point this weekend. Uh, I I can't see it until the weekend after. Oh, Ben! Why? Yes. uh, We've got plans to see it and... uh, that the people we're seeing it with can't go to the, the second weekend. Oh, I know, so... It'll have already broke a billion dollars by then. Well, we, we can talk about it and see. I can't so, wait for the, the next song, Just Let It Go, will you? That's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> right, Craig, thank you very much. Uh, we'll have you back on Pop After That very soon. Shitting! This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network.